the truth of it is, you know, when those posh people go, I'm going on a gap year. I'm going on a gap year to find myself. You can see yourself right here. What are you fucking going on about? But no, what they mean is find themselves. Who are they? And that's that's what sobriety is. When you go sober, you are left with yourself. You strip all the layers back and it's just you. There's no hiding from it. And in the end, you're going to be worth more and you're going to fucking look better and be healthier and happier. Hello and welcome to another episode of Menace to Sobriety with your host with the most, Dan O'Reilly, aka Dapper Laughs, aka the Fridge Freezer, Lemon Squeezer, Ebenezer, Do You Please, a Mastercard Visa. Listen, guys, I've got a wicked podcast for you here. This is 10 things I do to stay sober. 10 things that I do to stay sober. This is real stuff. Um, I'm a mad one for making lists, for sticking to schedules and and you know having structure. It really sorts me I'm ADHD, so I'm all over the place otherwise, but I'm going to get into that. But I just wanted to let you know, this is probably the last podcast from home. They've been, I don't know, some people have loved them, some some people haven't, but uh, we're back in the studio, I think, for next week with my new co-host, permanently, I hope, uh, Kirk Norcross. I'm just, I, I like chopping things up and seeing what works. I'm, I'm never sort of emotionally attached to doing one thing. I like to jazz it up, test things out, be creative. So I'm still going to do these ones from home because um, some people have in, enjoyed them. And I can I can have a bit more of a personal approach uh, to what I'm doing, but um, I want to up the entertainment and I want to give it a little bit more comedy while also focusing on the mental well being and the and the sobriety stuff. But enough of all that. Here we are. Stick with this. If you're sober uh, or you're planning on going sober, um, if you're sort of sober curious, then yeah, have a listen. Listen. If you're anything like me, you know there's there's loads of different sort of levels to to people's issues and problems and um i'm going to be brutally honest i don't i don't know if alcohol really was my 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 big problem um but once i started drinking i wanted to absolutely get hammered but i never i never you know wanted to drink every day so you know i know there's people out there that were that were you know alcohol and drug dependent and you know and i always felt a little bit guilty about doing this podcast or going and doing certain things and talking about sobriety because you know i wasn't waking up and drinking a bottle of vodka but i mean alcohol was 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 you know there were so many excuses to drink for me um and that's why you got so much. That's why I got so much spare time now uh, that I'm sober. But um, I always felt a bit guilty because I thought there was level, you know, that, that you're as either an alcoholic or you're not. Um, you either have a problem. And now I realise that you know you don't have to be the true sense of the word in regards to being an alcoholic. Like you know, like the lady that I met from the sober diaries. She said, you know, she was just having a bottle of wine a night, but it was you know, it was, it was catching up on her, her mental stability and all of that. And for me, it was a couple of times during the week, the weekends, but heavy binge drinking, heavy sessions. And I think the real destructive thing for me was the cocaine. Um, you know, and I'm not ashamed to talk about it anymore, but yeah, the, the, the coke was so, so bad for me, man. I mean, obviously when I was doing it, it was, it, I thought I was having a good time, but that good time, you know, the truth of it is I used to get anxiety thinking about whether or not I was going to do it that night with certain crowds I was going out with, you know, and I'd have a burning want to do it some nights, you know, some nights it wouldn't even cross my mind, but some nights I'd, I'd really want to do it. And, um, then we'd do it and then everything would get awkward, you know, the conversations would get weird. People would get paranoid. Um, and ultimately I'd end up on my own doing it or, you know, whatever. And then not sleeping all night. And then the horrors the next day and, and the arguments for not, for missing things and not doing things. And, and it, and it really fucked my mental health. It turned me into an absolute, oh man, I don't know. I don't know. But I was, if you compare who I am now to who I was a year ago or nine months ago, um, 
let's say in Marbella when everything kind of went wrong for me, um, you know, I was a paranoid wreck. I thought the world was against me. Everyone hated me. I thought, you know, my wife was out to get me. Everyone was, I was a paranoid, angry, furious wreck. And now I'm just like, yeah, man, I'm like a sexy little chilled out, don't know, fit geezer, mate. I don't know. I'm just, I'm like, you know, but it's, it's always there. The Sesh Gremlin's always there for me, so you've got to be careful. So I have to stay sober. That's my thinking. I'm never, my, my you know, it, it very easily something could happen in my life to, that would send me back down that road. And, and I'm a true believer that coming back from going again would be even harder because I went sober before, went back to it, and coming back from that and kicking it again, and and the 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 veracity of the sessions and the mental breakdowns and everything was so much heavier the second time round. It was almost like I knew I had to go sober again, so I wanted to consume as much drugs and alcohol as I could before. Uh, but there's a picture of me behind here at my stag do in um, in Marbella. Um, that was a good time. That was a heavy sesh right there at that day as well. Uh, but good good. There's some positive memories with it, you know. So. That's why I always say I'm never gonna I'm never gonna try and stop other people doing what they're doing, um, and I'd never tell other people to go sober unless unless it was you know unless it was affecting their mental health or their home life with their family or their work life, you know if they're having the occasional binge and they can handle it then fine, but not me, man, not me. So I have to physically work on being sober. So I thought I'd write out and list the ten things. Um, that I do to stay sober and share them with you. And as I was doing it, I just realized how, how important they are to, to me and to my life now and um, to staying focused and ultimately to my happiness. That is the key because what you get back with sobriety, and I'm starting to sound like one of them twatty guru people, but the truth is, is when you go sober, you get, you get everything that alcohol promised you, but never delivered. You get, when you go sober, you get everything that alcohol promised you, but never delivered. I love that saying because I always used to think, yeah, I'm going to go out and have a good time. It's going to be great. You know, oh, if I have a sesh, whatever, I deserve it. And, you know, it's going to be good. And uh, it was for, it, it is for a little while. And then it's fucking horrors, isn't it? It's pure murder. It's, it's everything falls apart, you know. Um, but sobriety, it just gets better and better and better and better. I mean, even just a month ago to, to where I am now, when I hit, I think it was when I when I'd hit eight months. I'm not sure where I'm at now, but not. It doesn't feel so long ago. I was panic stations. You know, I was up and down and all over the place. And um, yeah, man, I went to my first meeting. I might as well share that. Um, you know, I spoke to somebody um, quite well known. In, in you know, uh, you know, quite well known person got in touch with me and said that they can see that I was struggling, even though I was portraying that I was being very positive, but I was still using quite self loathing language in one of my videos in one of my videos I was I was just saying you know the weekends are really tough because you remember all the bad stuff that you've done and how horrible you used to be and you know the mistakes you made so you know the weekends are tough to have and um, I was at a really weird stage in my journey because I was proud and happy to be sober but I was fucking struggling do you know what I mean it was uh, and now I feel like I've kind of just turned that corner uh, I went to start going to meetings uh, which you know i I don't really want to talk about too much because it's private. I think it's very private, but um, it's a positive thing. But here's 10 other things. Okay. Here is 10 things I do to stay sober. Right. 
And um, this is the work. This is what I, this is my personal work. Now, this is personal to me. Uh, I didn't put this one in it, but I'm going to talk about it a second because it, it caused quite a bit of controversy on the Menace to Sobriety Instagram. If you don't follow the Menace to Sobriety Instagram, jump on there because there's like 30,000 people on there, I think. But um, on the Menace to Sobriety Instagram, I shared a video. <laughs> I think people find it quite weird when I do a comedy video and I share it to, to that. There's, I think there's a lot of people out there that don't see me as a comedian. They've only learned about me as this sober guy. So when they see me doing comedy, sometimes they're a little bit shocked. But um, yes, so uh, one of the things I do to stay sober, but I didn't put this in the top 10, but I'm going to say it before before I, I get into it, is, is I drink non-alcoholic beers. My, my fridge is stacked uh, full of uh, Heineken Zeros. But also in my fridge is normal beers. They're still it's still in there. My missus drinks them, right? And when the when the in laws come over and anyone comes over, they're there. You know, I, I I'm a, I, I'm a firm believer of doing the hard work. Do you know what I mean? Um, being able to look at look at alcohol for what it is. It, some people enjoy it. Some people, and it's not good for some people. It's a it was a part of my life that's gone. I'm not going to run from pubs and run away from it and and scream at people drinking. I'm, that's just not me. I'm, I I want to face my shit. But everyone works in different ways. And like I said, my alcohol alcoholism and my my addiction was habitual or no what's the word was like um bingy you know so so other people that had alcohol dependency or people that are dependent on alcohol um the sight of it the smell of it or anything could be a a lot more devastating to you than it is to me so i'm just talking from my personal experience here and alcohol free beers help me man like if i'm if i'm in a pub uh, beer garden I feel awkward uh, it's just just the way I am I feel awkward if I ain't got a beer in my hand um, and I like the taste of beer maybe one or two uh, I used to be able to drink 10 pints I don't know how I used to be able to do that because I start getting bloated I don't what I do it's the alcohol that I wanted in me not the beer but um, it makes me feel better it, it eases that anxiety it makes me feel like oh yeah you know I'm, I'm, I'm fitting in um, you might be called that weak or whatever but it did split opinion a little bit um but alcohol free beer sought me out you know i had one last night i sat down to finish um finish doing some edits on the script the kids were playing outside the sun was shining and i thought i fancy a beer so i had one you know um whereas i went through a long stage of sort of mourning not being able to have beer and you know um you know, uh, I'm never going to enjoy a cold beer in the sun again. And that's just bollocks, man, because the, you can enjoy a cold beer in the sun. It's just the alcohol you don't need to have. Do you know what I mean? It's the alcohol because I know the alcohol leads to the cocaine. So if I get rid of the alcohol, then there's no chance of the cocaine. For me, this is my personal journey. But that's one of the things I do to stay sober, but it's not in my top 10. Here's my top 10. So in at number one, the top 10 things that I do to say sober is, and I have to redo this every now and then, I have to I have to say this to myself every now and then when I have little wobbly days or whatever, is I have to accept that my life, I've written these down, so I'm just reading them, I accept that my life and my lifestyle has changed. I just accept it. My whole life has changed. Just accept it, man. And not only accept that, that your life has changed, applaud it. Be happy with it. You fucking, you've turned a corner, man. We, 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 what sort of fucking life would you have if you was like that the whole way through it? Just the same, the whole way through. You never made no progress, no changes, tried new things. Man, I've been on the piss for fucking 25 years, I think. 25, 30, maybe nearly 30 years. How old am I? 25, let's say 25 years. Yeah, I've been on the piss for that long. Doing bugle, getting drunk. 
And my lifestyle has completely changed. And I'm happy about that. I'm proud of that, that my lifestyle's changed. I've grown up. I'm, I'm not, um, I don't have to succumb to, to, to weak impulses anymore. Um, but yeah, except my life has changed. The circles have changed. What I do for fun has changed. And how I spend my time has changed. And look at how better it is. So the first thing I always do is I go, you know, when I'm wobbling or I'm thinking about things or, or things feel alien to me or not right, which they do, because all of a sudden, when you go sober, you're thrown into a brand new life, man, with brand new problems, brand new emotions, brand new everything. Honestly, it hits you like a fucking freight train, all the different questions. And, you know, the truth of it is, this is the best way that I look at it. The truth of it is, is, you know, when those fucking wanky posh people go, I'm going on a gap year. I'm going on a gap year to find myself. Yeah, I always used to think, what the fuck? Look, yourself is right there, geezer. You can see yourself right there. What are you fucking going on about? But no, what I mean is find themselves. Who are they? Who have they? Who, what is? The, what? What's the? What's the shells? The layers they've been putting out there? And that's that's what sobriety is. When you go sober, you are left with yourself. You strip all the layers back, and it's just you. There's no hiding from it. You know, you can't get obliterated, smashed, or fucking calm yourself down, or hide, or numb the pain, or nothing. It's there on the surface. Fucking embrace it, man. Get to know yourself. Find out your flaws try and rectify them it's like a, treat yourself as an old house that you're doing up that you're going back in and you're fucking redoing the foundations you're getting the fucking brickwork sorted out you're going to put a new kitchen bathroom in and in the end you're going to be worth more and you're going to fucking look better and be healthier and happier that's number one number two i've got to replace my dopamine hits number two is replace your dopamine hits right so um I think there's a, there's a, for me, I think there's a, a link, a co- um, uh, you know, um, there's, there's a link between ADHD and addiction. Uh, I think it's something like 80% of people with ADHD um, suffer um, addiction problems. And uh, ADHD people have got lower dopamine levels, right? So um, I understand that the hit that I get from alcohol and cocaine and stuff like that will seem stronger to me. Um, because I have a naturally low dopamine level. So that boost is more intense. From alcohol, you get a lot of dopamine from alcohol. You don't. It's not like when you rip a line of gear and you're instantly off your fucking nut like that. You feel it straight away and the dopamine's flying through your veins. You don't realise that alcohol, it, the reason why they call it a social lubricant is because it calms you down. It gives you a slow feeling of dopamine, which makes you feel good. And, and then you feel safe that you're in a, in, a, in, a, in a nice environment. And it's the dopamine that, that makes you fucking lose your inhibitions, right? So you can say what you want to say and do what you want to do and act the way you you wanted to act. So you're getting part of the addiction or part of um, the alcoholism or, you know, part of, you know, it's the dopamine, man. You know, you're used to getting a reward. That's exactly what it is. You're working the end, working till the end of the week or working all day and you get a reward um, and you link the alcohol to your dopamine. But really, it's a nice little dopamine hit. You know, it's like smoking a joint and feeling mellow, I guess. Um but you've got to replace those replace those dopamine hits. You know, you can't just starve yourself of those feel-good factors. You've just got to find positive ways to get them. So for me, and I'll talk about this again later on, but for me, my dopamine comes from exercise, right? 
So I'm off me nut in the morning. You, you, you've probably seen, if you follow me on my Instagram, if you don't, go and add me now. I do stories all the time where I just sort of follow my follow my journey. And I look at, look at when I compare them to last year, it's fucking mental, but still they're up and down with my moods. You know, sometimes I'm on there going, wow, it's five o'clock in the morning. Let's go. Let's fucking have a good day. I'm up fucking super early, getting my dopamine in and I box. So it's hardcore fucking training, right? And, um, I come out of that and I'm fucking vibrating, mate, with dopamine. I feel it. I feel good. Everything feels good. And the beautiful thing about dopamine that you get from exercise is you don't get a massive come down. It don't, it don't drop off. You, you end up normal later on in the day, but it slowly tapers off. You know, it's natural. There's loads, you know, you get the endorphins and dopamine and loads of shit. So you've got to replace it. All right, number three. Read. So um, this is a big one for me. I'm just going to see if I can find it. I can see it sticking out there. Hold on a second. Bear with me one second. Yeah, number three, read. So reading is a massive one for me, man. Um, I know a lot of people would be like, what? You can read. I'm just having a sip of my drink. Hold on. Mm. But yes, reading is a huge one for me because you got to do your research, man. you got to understand the, you got to understand what's going on in your mind and your body. And um there's one book that changed my life, right? I'm not going to lie. I've read a lot of books. I've interviewed a lot of people that have bought books out. But there is one book that changed my life and my counsellor gave it to me. Um, and I read it and a couple of years ago and I went sober for the first time ever in my life, yeah? So I'd always been trying to... You know, I used to keep a diary myself and I used to write in my diary when I'd use gear or when I drunk and um, it was shocking to me. I'd look at, oh, fucking hell, a couple of times a week and three times a week sometimes, sometimes more. And I was like, fuck me, mate, I've got a problem. You know, I always thought I had a bit of an issue. Well, it was difficult for me to think I had an issue when everyone around me was doing the same thing. Do you know what I mean? That's when it's hard to 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 to, to see yourself as having an issue when everyone's doing it, right? But, um, you know... I was having extensive, long, hard mood swings and um, oh, I had to go to counselling because I, 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 I get into these states where um, I just self-destruct. And it was normally on a come down or after I'd been drinking, heavy drinking session. But I'd be like, you know, I'd walk out and leave and, you know, and um, just mad, mad head, self-destruct. The world's against me. Fuck everything off. Fuck everything off. And it was bad. I was having bad episodes. Um, and this was a couple of years ago. So I went to see this counsellor for a long time. Um, and she said, never come to me if you're drinking or you've been using drugs. So I stopped seeing her when I started drinking again. But she was brilliant. And um, she gave me a few books. But when she gave me this book, it changed my life. Honestly, I swear to God, I read it and then I've done a massive stint sober. It's called Alan Carr, right? It's called, sorry, it's by Alan Carr and it's called No More Hangovers. Let me show it up there. No More Hangovers. Um, the reason why this book was so good for me is because one, I find it difficult to read. Not, not I mean, I can read, but I mean, difficult to focus and read. And it's so small. It's like, it's got a headline at the top of the page. Then a little section, headline, a little section. Every page is something different, um, you know, so like like this. And it gives you all of these analogies to just plant in your mind like this. So alcohol is a poison. It is produced by letting fruit or other vegetable matter decay, which is why I find it somewhat absurd when wine merchants describe their wares as cheeky or adorable. They're, they're talking about a powerful poison. Half a pint of pure alcohol would kill you. 
Why do you think it makes people vomit? Throwing up might not be particularly present, but don't knock it. It saves your life. So it's got all these things. Alcohol is a, a diuretic. A diuretic is a drink that makes you thirsty. That's why after binging, you wake up at 3 a.m. with mouth like a dry riverbed and one thing on your mind, water. If alcohol quenched your thirst, the last thing you would need after all that liquor uh, is even more. The fact that some people can drink 16 pints of beer proves that alcohol creates thirst. You couldn't drink 16 pints of water if you tried fucking mad isn't it and it's all these little things yeah it's all these little things and it shows you as well how you're how we're tricked into drinking alcohol is everywhere it's consumed by 90 percent of uk adults but but few stop to question their assumptions about booze the media doesn't help when they circulate misleading phrases such as alcohol and drugs a better expression would be alcohol and other drugs or just drugs because alcohol is a drug our society marginalizes most kinds of drug taking but with alcohol the roles are reversed people question why don't you take it if you don't drink in this society many people assume you're a freak so this book for me was brilliant because it was like loads of nuggets loads of nuggets of information that slowly chipped away of my thinking about alcohol because I fucking put alcohol on a pedestal. I thought it was the fucking best thing. I thought I couldn't live without it. How can I live without the one thing that fucking I enjoy? And by the end of reading it, you're like, what the fuck? Um, you know, so yeah, I could be reading that all day, but that's a good one. If you're thinking of going sober, go and check that out. No more hangovers. Love yourself sober. That's a good one. Uh, one for the road. Haven't read it yet, Dave. <laughs> one for the road. That's a good one, though. I've heard it's brilliant. I am going to read it. Um, alcohol Explained. This is all about... Alcohol Explained is a great book. This is all about the chemicals in your body. This is a little bit more about the science behind alcohol. Um, that's a great one to read as well. And Sober Diaries. I've lent that to one to someone else. But Sober Diaries is a good one as well. So read, man. Learn. Learn about it. How, how do you expect to beat something that you know nothing about? That'd be like fucking boxing and not knowing your, who your opponent is yeah all right number four celebrate the milestones look forward to them celebrate the milestones and look forward to them it's quite controversial counting the days and whenever i put up like mm, 100 days 50 days or when i've done 100 days or six months eight months some people are like man why are you counting it's like you're waiting to lose it's like why are you counting your days because you know it's like you're setting yourself up to lose you know how many days you've done without it means you're going to go back to it but i don't see it like that the, the I, I i see it as a celebration because i can remember very much so being sat on my ass um drunk hung over um hung over and probably still drunk the world around me crumbling falling apart Everything had turned to shit. It was a bad fucking rock bottom for me. Sitting there going, right, I guess this is day one. I guess this is day one again. I'm going to start again. I guess this is day one. And um, <clears throat> once I accepted that it was day one, then the count in the days really fucking helps me, man. I was like, oh, yeah, seven days, man. I'm, I'm doing all right. Eight days, uh, 15 days, 20 days. Oh, mate, 50 days. When I got to 50 days, I was like, this is, I thought I'd fucking smashed it. Um and uh, I can't, I'm filming off my phone, but I'm, I don't know where I'm at, two, two, eight months, 200 and something days, I don't know. But when the more and more you do, you know, the more you get used to sobriety, the easier it feels. You should be careful not to say it's easy though, but the easier it feels uh, and the more you can celebrate. And also you should celebrate what your, 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 it's personal growth. You're, 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 um, you're keeping a record of your personal growth. <coughs> do you know what I mean? So 
count the days embrace it that's what i do and i check it every now and then i don't look at it every day sometimes i go a week without looking at it but when i do look at it it fills me full of fucking joy so um yeah embrace that right number six start your days early man Number six, I'll tell you why I start my days early. This is a big one. One, I start my days early just because I like the feeling of getting ahead of everyone else. You know what I mean? That I've put the work in. Uh, It motivates me um, and um, it sets me up for the day. You know, I struggle with my mental health. I, 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 you know, I I genuinely have up up days, down days. Um, I thought I was bipolar at one point. But um, sometimes I've got to really work hard on having a good day, you know, I've got, to, I've got to do a certain amount of things to stop the overthinking, the worry. That's, that's my thing. Overthinking, worry, thought loops on fucking stupid things. And when I start my day early and I get my workout in, I'm almost guaranteeing a good day, but not just that. The big reason why I start my days early is because I want to go to sleep at about eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. Uh, by eight, nine o'clock I'm in bed and uh, that's when I'd be doing all my drinking in the evening. So, you know, you don't want to be sat up at night fucking twiddling your thumbs, for, you know, looking on it through Instagram at everyone else on the smash or, um, you know, feeling like you're missing out or or like, you know, wondering how you can get to sleep, if, especially if you use alcohol and drink and drugs to, to get to sleep. Um, so, yeah, man, start your days early and then hopefully you'll be absolutely f- annihilated Um you know, I, I, my alarm set for four o'clock, four thirty, depending on when my trainer wants to train. If it's five or five thirty, um, but I'm, I open my eyes before my alarm goes off. Now that's I'm, I think it's fucking brilliant. I think I'm an absolute legend. I go ping, open my eyes, have a look, and it'll be just before my alarm. And I'll always turn my alarm off. It's very rare the alarm wakes me up, and that is just fucking routine, man. That is just habitual routine, doing the same thing over and over and over, and your body, your mind gets used to it. And I love it. I love being up early. I think it makes me better than everyone else. I don't mind being egotistical about that. The pure fact that I can get up at four thirty, start my fucking day, get my workout in before anyone else wakes up, makes me feel like I'm better than everyone else. And What's wrong with having that feeling and, uh, and having that self-esteem? What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. That's how you're going to become confident. Confidence beats, uh, uh, breeds um, progress. Do you know what I mean? You've got to be confident in yourself in order to take risks and to, to stay motivated and to keep pushing forward. So ultimately, me getting up early don't just make me look sexy. It makes me feel sexy. And then I do sexy things. So, um, and uh, more importantly, for my sobriety, um, Friday nights I'm like I couldn't give a fuck I'm going to bed man I'm up early I'm up early Sunday sparring Saturday sparring so go out if you want I'm going to bed mate ping bit of TV little bit of chocolate I ain't going to lie to you I ain't going to lie to you sometimes I have myself a little fucking alright I'll be honest with you I have chocolate every night in bed but what do you want me to do like I say to my missus what the fuck do you want me to do when my missus hears that little bag of chocolate or whatever I've got opening, she looks over me and she's like, all right, right, let's all, right, let's all fucking give over. Give over. Were you having another one? Are you having a fucking other one? I'm like, would you rather me be opening a bag of gear or what, babe? Would you rather me be here doing fucking bumps like that and then wanking myself silly, babe? Do you know what I mean? Would you rather me down the pub having 10 pints or four fucking chocolate obnobs? Yeah? So why aren't you fucking necking? Obviously, I don't swear or raise my voice because I get my head kicked in. But, you know what I'm saying? Fuck it. We're all allowed advice. Do you know what I mean? A little bit of chocolate. Uh, I'll probably get told off for saying that now because I'm going to create a load of fucking hobnob addicts. But I'd rather you be fucking necking a load of biscuits than fucking snipping MCAT. All right? Anyway, 
Number seven. This is a big one. Number seven. I label my triggers, man. I label my triggers. Uh, I love this one. Label my triggers. Get to know them. Label your triggers and get to know them. Become friends with your triggers, man. For those of you that don't know what triggers are. So triggers and I, I started, this was, I believe this was my real turning point with my addictions. My real turning point was seeing the triggers for what they are. Triggers. They're not me. You know, it's mad if you think about it. You know, I had sitting in this very room at that desk over there, my my wife and my children. I love saying wife, by the way. Either, I'm just newly married, married and I love saying it. My compound Mazza got married the other day and I'm like, you're going to love saying the word wife. But anyway, me and my wife, uh, my wife was away. My kids were away for the weekend. I didn't really see it as a problem. I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to crack on doing my normal stuff. The sun was out and a couple of my mates were in the WhatsApp group talking about meeting up for a beer. Uh, I was just sitting at my desk and I was like, fucking hell, man. Oh, mate, no one would know if I went for a beer. No one would know, man. And and what this is what my thought process went from. My thought process went, oh, my mates are down the pub having a drink to, oh, no one would know if I had a few beers. Maybe I could have a sesh. Fuck it, I'll stay in. I'll just get on the beers and the fucking gear here. No one will know. And I went, I, and I stopped myself and I went, wow. Fucking, you went from that to that. You went from, you want to go to a pub garden to getting a load of gear around your house on your own. And spending the whole weekend sniffing gear. So what I did, I did two things. First of all, I talked to myself about it. I was like, what happened there, man? And I sat inside my, sat in my office on my own, inside my own head. And I looked at all the triggers. And what was it? It was the sun. It was a Friday, right? So the sun was a trigger. The sun was out, the beer garden. That's a trigger. I was like, right, bang, labeling that. That's a trigger. That's going to trigger me in the future. And then every time after that, when the sun would be out and I think about it, I go, ping, trigger. You ain't tricking me, you fucking little shit fucker. You're a trigger. That's a trigger. That ain't me. Like, because you think it's you in your, you think it's you in your head going, oi, Dan, come on, let's have a couple of drinks, mate. It's just me and you. You're like, hello, buddy. I ain't seen you in ages. And then he's like, yeah. Let's have a couple of drinks, me and you, mate. Me and you. And you're like, yeah, we're buddies, aren't we? He's like, yeah. Then a bag of gear and a brass. We can blow it up their arseholes. And you're like, what the fuck? Where'd you come from? It ain't your pal. That's not you. That's a trigger, right? So I labelled my triggers. One was the sun. Number two was it was Friday. Number three was the wife and the kids were away. Whenever the kids and the wife used to go away, I used to have mad sessions, you know, because there was no guilt and shame or not as much guilt and shame in the morning facing your family. So I, I labelled my triggers and I start to understand them, start to see what my triggers are. Um, I've got lots of different triggers. Everyone's going to have different triggers. Another one of my triggers was... Um, getting on the train and going up into London, uh, especially towards the end of the week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, if I was on the train up into London having meetings, it was party time. Um, there's certain people that I would see, certain places that would trigger me. Do you know what I mean? People would trigger me. Places, Soho, uh, it's like a den of, um, you know, sordid area. You know, it's just fucking, you know, I used to go in Soho house and places like that and bump into industry people and they'd all have gear on them. Everything would be kicking off. The film and TV industry is filled full of debauchery, which I very much enjoyed. But, you know, time moves on and um, I'm not weak to my triggers anymore. I see what my triggers are. And unfortunately, I see this is a tough one because it's very hard to not become sort of judgmental when you get sober. Um, because... You know, other people might not be wrecking their lives. They might just be enjoying themselves. So, 
you know, it's hard. You shouldn't be judgmental. You really shouldn't. But it is difficult not to be because now I see people, not some people that I know have got problems and some of my, you know, people around me that I know have got issues. I don't really see them as, you know, um, enjoying themselves. I see them as not being able to control their urges, you know, and succumbing to their triggers. You know, anger is a big trigger for me. You know, if something used to piss me off and make me angry, I used to want to get fucking annihilated. Um, big events in my life for triggers, my wedding, having my kids, you know, big responsibility um, being bestowed upon me or triggered me um, and turned me to self-destruction, you know, uh, very regretfully. Um, so, you know, anger, um, you know, I'm sure I haven't lost anyone since I've been sober, but, you know, my dad passing away turned me, um, uh, turned my uh, alcohol and drug consumption, especially my cocaine consumption, turned it right up a notch. You know, my coping mechanism went into overdrive when my dad passed away. Uh, I was on self-destruct. You know, I, I was happy to, you know, uh, be on my way out. Um, I just, it was just one thing too far for me. You know, I spoke about it loads of times anyway, but Shelley was pregnant with my first daughter, Neve, luckily, and um, I had that motivation. But anyway, I digress. Keep an eye on your triggers. Label your triggers. See your triggers for what they are. All right. Number eight. Remember the bad times, man. Remember the bad times. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's number eight is remember the bad times. Uh, and I've, I've made a list of some of the bad times here for me. Um, you know, the arguments with the wife and the family, the come downs, the mental health destruction that was associated with the session, the come downs and everything being fat. Okay. That was a bad time for me. I shot a film, Mr. Kiss, which is due to come out and I'm severely overweight in it. Um, the heaviest I've ever been, you know, I was drinking a hell of a lot. I had my wedding, I had the honeymoon. I was eating. I wouldn't even looking at exercise. Um, it's disgusting really to look back on myself like that. So remember the bad times, man, you know, it's all well and good as thinking, Oh, we can't, uh, get on the smash or we can't escape. You know, we can't have fun and we're going to miss out on, stag do's and blah, 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 and you know certain friendship groups and changing circles are changing i'm not going to be able to get spend all night chatting shit with that geezer or whatever but the truth is you know the bad times outweigh the good times 100 percent. the but the you know if you if you were to like get an alien from outer space to come down and have a little chat with you and you're like yeah man you know for fun i get myself absolutely fucked where i can't see where i'm going i can't walk properly and you know i can't really control what i say and my actions and the next day i'm fucking embarrassed by it it's you know i've upset people i'm aggressive rude uh it's cost me a load of money and i can't do nothing positive for the next few days and it's making me slightly insane they'd be like that's what you do for fun what the fuck you know but it's fucking society it deems it normal you know our culture deems it normal do you know what i mean i was swept up in it for, for years and i enjoyed it i'm not gonna lie it's weird it's a psychotic way of enjoying yourself um but you've got to remember the bad times. You've got to focus on the bad times. Every time your mind tries to trick you, or that little voice or the trigger comes in and goes, hey, you're right. What you doing? And you fancy a little fucking line, little bump. Yeah, come on. Just remember how fat, ridiculous and stupid you behaved. And uh, it'll pass quick. Number nine, I work on my mental health, man. This is a big one and I'm passionate about this. I work hard on my mental health, uh, but not just mental health. 
what number nine should be oh it is actually look i've highlighted it number nine is work on your mental strength so I work on my mental strength and what by, by mental strength, I'm talking about everything that we just spoke about, you know, um, I'm talking about overcoming like, you know, that it takes mental strength to not act on impulse. Right. So like, 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 like I always put it a boxing just because boxing has been fucking entwined in my sobriety journey. But I work on my fucking right hook, you know, twisting my body into it, um, work on the muscles, work on everything, like sharpen it, sharpen it, sharpen it, make it stronger, harder. You know, I can feel it snap now when I hit it. I know it's stronger, but it takes a lot of work. So that when I need to smash it into the punch bag or hit someone, it's there, it's ready to go. And that's what you've got to do with your mental strength. And I, I work on my mental strength outside of when I need it. I don't wait until my triggers kick off and then think I'm going to do some work on it. I do work on it all the time because I understand what my problem is. You know, uh, alcohol and drugs was the solution. Alcohol and drugs was the solution. This is what I've learned. The alcohol and the drugs was the solution. Uh, what was the problem? Well, the problem was, was that I couldn't cope with my life and I couldn't cope with my stresses. I couldn't cope with whatever had gone on before. I couldn't cope. And the problem was why I couldn't cope was because my mind wasn't strong enough to cope. So in order to cope, I used alcohol and drugs. So the problem was alcohol and drugs. Um, No, sorry, the solution was alcohol and drugs, but the problem was not being able to cope because I wasn't mentally strong enough. So the work is working on your mental strength. And how do I do that? By putting myself in uncomfortable situations I don't want to be in. Pay attention to this. I put myself in uncomfortable situations that I do not want to be in and I overcome it and I stay in it. And what are these hard situations that I don't want to be in? What are the tough situations that I don't want to be in? Well, it might be a, a, a ice cold bath. It might be, you know, it might be a fucking 10K run. It, 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 you have to find what's uncomfortable for you. Shall I tell you what one of the biggest, most uncomfortable situations that I don't like to be in until I'm in it is sparring fighting people that are better, stronger, quicker than me, that hurt me. How, how do I know they're better than me? Because I feel physical pain. Um, and I put myself in that situation, not just to get better at boxing, not just to get faster, stronger, to work on my fitness. I put myself in that situation so that when my mind's telling me to do something that I don't want to do, you know, when my mind's telling me to get out of the ring, to fake an injury, to say you need a shit or something, or to pull a hammy or whatever, to make an excuse of why you're not getting there or not even get in your car and go to the gym, you know, that's when the work comes in. No, 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 no. You ain't playing no tricks on me, bro. You're a pussy. You're, you are a pussy. And like the cold water dip stuff. I love the cold water dip stuff because it is instant work on your mental strength straight away you have to put that fucking work in you don't have to get all the way down the gym to put the work in you get in and straight away every fucking thing in your mind every fiber of your body says get out of here now this is fucking horrible and if you'll overcome that you're nah 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 i don't listen to you mate look at what if i listen to you i'd be fucked if i listen to you i'd still be fucking sniffing gear and drinking ruining my fucking family i probably wouldn't have a family if i listen to you you're a bitch mate you are a bitch there's someone else in charge here. I'm taking over from here. This is where I fucking am. This is where I'm living. Put that work in. Um, and um, yeah, another way to put that work in as well. If you, if you if you can't get out, if you can't box, if you can't run, if you can't go to the gym, you know, putting that, I'll put that work in at 4.30 in the morning, you know, when I open my eyes and my mind's telling me, don't get out of bed, stay in bed, it's nice and warm. Fuck off, bitch. 
right? That's when I'm putting the work in. That's the work, working on my mental strength. You have to find things you don't want to do that your mind is going to tell you not to do that is going to be for your greater good, right? You understand what I'm saying? It's going to be for your greater good and your mind, you have to train your mind to pick the option that's better, not to pick the easy way out. And you keep on doing that. When you get a little trigger, when the sun shines out and you want to have a beard, you're like, fuck off, mate. I just fucking got my head jabbed off for fucking nine minutes. Do you know what I mean? This is light work. But, you know, you can put the work in different ways. Sitting and writing. You know, you might, this is, if you can't go and do all the gym stuff or whatever, for whatever reasons, you don't have the time or you're not physically able, do other things. Writing, you know, writing, writing your gratitude list out, you know, writing a book, knitting fucking something that you don't want to do that you know will have a positive outcome um for you yoga fucking meditation whatever what what it's about is putting your old mind aside and replacing it with a new strong mind that's committed to doing stuff and it's all based around well-being all right that was a good one that's why that was in at number nine and number 10 i just focus on my kids man this is the most important one for me. If you haven't got kids, you're going to have to find something else that you love with every fiber of your body, every passionate thing in your your heart, something that means more than anything else to you in the world. And you've got to focus on that. And for me, it's my kids. So my biggest motivation and the top uh, in my list of how I stay sober is by focusing on being a father, you know, because I've got the whole weekend now. I'm present. Um, uh you know, there's still some things that I want to work on. I want to get off my phone more. That 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 kills me. That pulls at my heartstrings where I'm, when I'm stuck on my phone and Rue's pulling my hand, daddy, 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 and I snap out of it. I'm like, oh, fucking, what are you doing, man? Get off your fucking phone. And um, the way that I, the way that I, um, the way that I try and, become a better father is is simply by being present you know you know you don't have to take them on fancy holidays or t- take them out and doing stuff all the time you know some money you know they don't want all that they want you you know to play with them to talk to them to find out about them you know I, i'm going to share something very personal to me um that i don't know if you want to do this or not but this is very personal to me but i ask my kids uh, when we're having sitting having dinner I try and do it every day when I can remember. I say, give me one good thing that happened today and one bad thing that happened today. And the more we do it, the more excited they they get into doing it. But it's a great way for them to tell you any bad things that are happening in their, in their lives or any insecurities they got and uh, what, they, what they're interested in, what they like. And um, I don't know, it breaks my heart. It brings it, it puts a lump in my throat to think of how things could have gone or may go or how they were going when I was drinking and everything like that. Because ultimately when you're hung over on a come down or desperate to get down the pub, you ain't thinking of your kids. Are you? And alcohol and drugs takes people away from their families. It destroys families. It's so true. I don't know where all this shit comes from guys. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know where this shit comes from. I don't know how I'm so fucking funny, sexy, and knowledgeable. I don't know, but all I can say is my wife is one lucky fucking lady because I'm also... Anyway, I'll stop it there. But yes, all right, so... <laughs> 
do me a favor. If you got all the way to the end of that, let me know which ones struck a chord with you in the comments. Let me know if you're tuned into these things, man, um, because I get very um, self-conscious and insecure about numbers and views. And I can see the views on the YouTube video aren't as big as the ones with the guests, but I just want to know that you're still there and you're still tuned in. So either DM me or leave a comment or comment on one of my videos on Instagram. I read all my comments or leave comments on the YouTube or DM me or something because the feedback keeps me motivated and sometimes I can get uninterested in things and stop doing them and ultimately the only and I love doing this and I love helping people and I love sharing my experience the only thing that make it makes me stop doing things is my insecurity if I if I think oh people no one's interested in this then I'll be I'll start questioning it and I'll start doing something else so and I really want to stick at it so give me the feedback that's all I ask it makes me feel good about doing it so let me know in the comments if you stay to the end and what connected that was 10 things I do to stay sober and I might type that up and put that somewhere for you but um yeah I really hope you enjoyed that was another episode of Menace to Sobriety don't forget to get your tickets to my tour please um I'm going to Plymouth Bridgewater St Albans Middlesbrough Lancaster Colchester Bradford Chatham Dorking Northampton Blackpool Whitley Bay Bury St Edmunds Ipswich Southwood Peterborough Loughborough Birmingham Glasgow Shrewsbury Coventry Wimborne London Southend Swindon the Wirral up near um I think that's in Liverpool, Belfast, Cardiff, Bristol and Nottingham. And it kicks off in January. And uh, obviously there's loads of stuff in it about my sobriety and my journey. I'm out testing material. Tickets are cheap as chips. You get to see me live. It's my first tour in 10 years. Hit the link. It's in um, on the video description or head over to my Instagram. And uh, I love you all. Stay sober. Or if you're considering sobriety, check it out. Let me know what connected with you. I love you. Follow me on Instagram. That is Instagram. All right. Bye for now. Peace. Oh, yes. And don't forget, if you want to come and see me live and meet me, I'm going on tour. The Daniel O'Reilly Out of Character Full UK Tour kicks off in January 2024 and tickets are on sale right now. I'm going to try and get out and meet as many of you as possible. And of course, I'm going to be bringing the laughs all over the UK. There's 23 dates right now and I'm adding more all the time. Hit the link in the bio and get your tickets now and come have some fun. Menace of sobriety. Just a menace. Just, just a menace. Just a menace. Menace of sobriety. Just a menace. Just, just a menace. Menace of sobriety. Just a menace. Just, just a menace. Just a menace. Menace of sobriety. Just a menace. Just, just.